Okay, good morning, Shavua Tov. Today's daf is daf Ayin. Today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas Marachai Ben Shalit. He's the person who's the Kolal, the campus Kolal is named after. Base Marachai, campus Kolal. Now we have a lot of merit from the Torah that's done in his name. Um, it's also yeah, for, uh, we have a quick resolution for the trouble that families are going through in Israel, etc. Um, okay, so we're going to go from the top, we might as well go for it right from the top of Ayin Amur Aleph, 70a. Um, remember the Mishnah, the st- start of this new parak, it's divided the Jewish people into ten classes of lineage, and it was discussing who's allowed to marry who, and etc. And it's the framework around it is that Ezra went up with ten different categories of ten classes to Eretz Yisrael. Part of Ezra's motivation, interestingly, was to, he realized most of the scholars would be in Eretz Yisrael, so who's going to supervise the Babylonian community and keep them Tahar pure? So he took everyone, all the problems with him, all the Pagam, all the Psulim with him. Um, okay, but so the Gemara is just looking for sources where we see that there were these classes that Ezra took up. So, where do we see that there were converts and freed slaves? Now again, remember, that wouldn't be a problem. A regular person can marry a convert or a freed slave. The only issue would be for a Kohen. But again, you still had to know, and if the families forgot their lineage or weren't careful, then it would create problems. So, says from the following possible. Uh, he obviously felt that there wasn't... Uh, Rashi got it right. <laughs> Finally. It's interesting. You don't see it often. No. So at least one or two. Um, yeah. Um, so, so I mean, how do you know that Ezra took them? So, Amr Abchiz, Dada Makro, V'chol Hanivdel Mitumas Goya Haaretz Aleihem, all those who separated from the Tumos, from the Avodah Zor, etc., from the non-Jewish nations, to come to you. I had the converts and free slaves. Mamzerim in Olan, how do we know that there were Mamzerim amongst those that Ezra took up to see that it's written? Vayishma san balat hacharoini v'tuvya eved. This is the important point of this possible, that there was tuvya ha'eved. Ha'amoini, amoini eved. Uksiv, and it's written, ki rabim Yehuda ba'alei shu'ala. There were many in Yehuda who took an oath to him, an oath of loyalty to him. Ki chasan hu l'shachanyo ben arach, because he was the son-in-law of shachanyo ben arach. V'yehoyna san ben nos. So now we have Tuvya the eved, and Yehoyna san his son. Lokach ezbas meshalem ben brechia took daughters from Meshalem ben Brechia, from that family. So what do we see? We have this slave, Tuvia and his son, Yehoinasan, which were slaves, and they married Jewish girls. Now, Kosovar, this opinion holds, that if you have a non-Jew or an Eved who has a child with a Jewish girl, the child is a Mamzer. And as we saw in our mission in the last parak, that's not... Uh, that's not how everyone holds, but this is how that opinion holds, that the child of Eved and Abbas Yisrael is a mamzer. Now, the Gemara is going to all have a list of issues with the, the approach to this pasuk. But again, the general thing, what we've said is, we've said that there was Tuvia the Eved, and then there was Yohanes and his son, and how we know that Avodim went up to Babel is because of their children must have, they married Jewish wives. So now it says, Honech lamant omar ablad mamzer, el lamant omar ablad kosher, Michael Memar. Okay, firstly, that's all very well according to the opinion that ablad is a mamzer, but what about the opinion that the 
child's kosher. Again, a Jewish girl who married a non-Jewish child, the child is kosher. So he says, Vatu. Another question. Mimai da havulei b'nei diomalo havulei. Who says, maybe Yehoyna's son was not the son of Tuvia and a Tuvia the slave and a Jewish woman. Maybe Yehoyna's son was the child from another, from another woman. So, sorry, wrong. But to me, my Maybe their sons' children were not from the Jewish woman. Granted, they married Jewish woman. Their children might have been from a Jewish, from a non-Jewish wife, and then there wouldn't be a mum there. But to and further, Who says that these were in Babel that were taken up to Eretz Israel? Maybe these, the survey that they married them, etc. These women. These slaves married these Jewish women. Maybe that was already in Eretz Israel. So we need a different source that Ezra took up Mamzerim. So it says, So there were these people that went up from these, on the surface, these places. And then it says, They weren't able to tell whether their families or their descendants were Jews. Now we darshan the posuk to show that it's referring to different um, psulim. It says, Tell Melech, who's Tell Melech referring to? When it says Tell Melech, it's referring to people whose actions were like the actions of Stom, which was turned over into a, a pillar of salt. Now this Rashi points out, it says, I mean, when we always speak about Master Stom, that's we generally speak about their stinginess and their thing. But here Rashi brings, Shehoyu Magale, it's the last of the top wide lines of Rashi, the Master Stom, Shehoyu Magale Arayos, Dersiv Reim V'chatoim, Roim V'chatoim, it says about them in Beratius, they were evil and sinners. Roim V'chatoim 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 Roim, they were bad with their bodies, are they committed um, Arayos? And they sinned with their money. Bomrin and Bechelek and in Sanhedrin it says, now this is, um, I found it quite disturbing, it says, one of their justice systems were that if a man accidentally caused another woman to have a miscarriage, his husband wouldn't say, like Jewish lawyers, you pay for the miscarriage. His husband would say, restore her to his previous state. And he would send his wife to live with another man to make her pregnant. So you can imagine the level of, uh, of uh, Mamzerim that were in this community that were compared to Saddam. Also with the three angels came. Yeah, okay. The daughters that went to the angels. The yeah, that's that, yeah, that's the Medrash. Yeah. But uh, there it could also just be to kill. The Medrash says it's to uh, rape, etc. But okay. What's tell kharshasa from the word cheresh, like silent? So someone who asks, calls for his father, asks for his father, and his mother says, just be quiet. I thought, I don't want to discuss who your father is. And he doesn't want to, that's what we would call a shtuki. Um, and they're not able to tell who their family was. And if their descendants were from Yuzehu Asufi, Shenesah Minashuk, that's referring to the Asufi, which I abandoned child that you take in from the market. Now the, the next phrase of the Pasuk, Kruv Adon Ve'imer, so Omer Rabbi Avo, Rabbi Avo says, now interesting, we're going to basically read it the other way, Ve'imer Adon Kruv. Omer Adon, the master, the master of the universe, Hashem says, Ani Omachi Yisrael lefonai chashuvim kekruv, b'nei Yisrael should be significant to me like a kruv. Ve'heim 
they've made themselves like a, we generally translate it as a leopard. I don't know if it's actually a leopard, but that's known as a very, uh, apparently a very uh, unloyal, to, oh, or he, he goes with other leopard spouses without a second thought. Ike to Omri, some have a slightly different version. Omri before, Omri don't apple Even though B'nai Israel act like leopards, they are like Kruvim to me. Interesting, we always speak about the Kruvim as reflecting the relationship in Israel and Hashem, but the way it's reflected is like a boy and a girl in love. So that's, yeah, Hashem, uh, I guess, wants uh, a genealogical purity and not promiscuity. But he still loves B'nai Israel. It's, I mean, it's quite an amazing difference. The second one is Hashem's complaining that I wanted you to be like Kruvim and you were like Nomer. Whereas the second version, uh, I found it quite a powerful idea, is that no. So I want you to be Hashem, um, even though you're acting like leopards, like Kanamer, you're still viewed like Kruvim to me. I'm very uh, beloved and angels. Someone who marries a woman who's not fitting to him, it's as if he plowed the world and sowed it with salt. And it says, Those who went up from were also from the word of Choresh, uh, plow. Um, yeah, it's quite a harsh statement, but it's basically saying the fruit that you bring out from such a union is almost like destroying the world. It's sowing the world with salt. Marsha has a long uh, discussion on that. But let's get on. Omar, Rav, Abar, Rav, Ada, Omar, Rav, Kol, Hanoise, Isha, Lashum, Mamon, Someone who marries a woman for the sake of money, they will have children that aren't uh, good children. Pay for it for the rest of their lives too. Yeah. It's hard to tell. I mean, Shulchan Aruch discussed here when we say a woman is not she'ino. Um, uh, is this? It seems here, specifically speaking, about a woman that's also to him, and then obviously the child will be forbidden. That would be the simple way. What about someone who's just? You know, let, let's just finish this point. Shemayim says, "By Hashem, they rebelled against Hashem because they had banim zarim, I unfit children." The Shem Toima Mamon Polot. Maybe you say, okay, at the end of the day, but at least you'll have money. Because I married her for money, might not have the best family, but at least I'll be uh, comfortable. So Talmud Loma says, no, I tell you, I'm Chodesh El Chalkayim. Within a, uh, your, their portions will be consumed within a month. The Shem Toima Chalkov Elo Chalko. Maybe you'll say his portion and not her portion. I remember there's different money in the marriage and there's the money she brings in. There's Nisai Sombazan and Nisai Baruch. Let's just finish this point. So Talmud Lomar Chalkehem. Both of their shares will be consumed. For Shem Atomel is Man Maruba. I mean, it's okay, but that's over time. At least we'll start off our marriage very wealthy. And uh, you're right, that money might be destroyed because it's not an appropriate union. But... Um, but, uh, but it will last. It says, It says, A month in the Pasuk, my mashma, what's that telling us? How's that in, how do we see it in the Pasuk? Their money will be gone within a month. Um, yeah, sorry, what did you want? So generally, her father's family or something like that. Or here they discuss in Shulchan. Let me actually get, uh, I wanted to bring it. Let me see if that's here. So, so, so firstly, how do you define the term? Um, I know... 
What was the language? He marries a woman for her money. Is that, that's, on the surface, that's someone who he shouldn't be marrying. If it's someone he can marry and she has money, why not? So that's, uh, that, that would be someone he shouldn't be marrying. The question, what level of woman should a person not marry? What happens if you know a woman's, I don't know, from a dubious family line, but n- not a mamzer or something, that would be also just maybe someone that would be forbidden to a kohen. Should a Yisrael still be careful? Then I didn't, I didn't get, I started looking at it, but I didn't, I didn't get uh, clarity. Um, it seems it could be a bit of a discussion. But either way, this is marrying, he marries a woman he shouldn't marry because of her money. It could also be an age thing. I discussed in Shulchan Aruch, it's not appropriate for a young guy to marry an elder woman or an elder uh, young girl to marry an elder guy. That also leads to problems and things like that. So. Man is almost 25 and he marries a woman in her 50s. Yeah, and that's, uh, could be a, I'm not saying it's also, but it could be a problem. I don't know why. Uh, no, no, because uh, Muhammad was 25 and Fatima was in her 50s. I don't And look at the body, man. Okay. So what does it um, say? As you marry a woman for, for money, what is it trying to say? So firstly, you won't gain from the fina- from the aspect financially. Sorry. You won't gain financially from it. And uh, the children will be problematic. Um, there are more discusses what happens. If you, she's fine, she's kosher for you to marry, but the main reason you're marrying her is for her money. <laughs> so that's, uh, he says also, again, ideal, there's no isur there, there's no isur in marrying a woman for her money, but it's not, uh, it's not a good thing. And they discuss there, like putting pressure on the family to bigger, give a bigger dowry and to those sort of things. They say like money that's brought into the marriage from the woman, she should be very careful how you use it, because it's not necessarily a... Uh, the brocha, it seems like it is on the surface. Um, that, that, that seems to almost be a general rule to be careful of. Anyone who marries a woman who is not fit for him. Yeah, and I think this word fit, we would simply translate as that's forbidden to him. Um, Eliyahu ties him down and Hashem gives him lashes. And Tanya Namihak, we have a bride which teaches the same idea. On all forbidden unions, Eliyahu writes it down and Hashem signs. What's it? Oil, Woe to the one who invalidates his descendants and brings a pagam to his family. One who marries a woman who is not fit to him. And anyone, Rashi says, constantly, but anyone who often calls other people out as invalid, he is valid. And someone like this never speaks in praise of others. For Omar Shmuel he often invalidates people with his mum. So if you have, a, we're going to see basically, if you have a sort of guy who goes around, he never speaks nicely about other people, never praises other people, and he's always calling other people a slave, then you can be confident to a degree that he's a slave. You know, he's always calling other people a mamzer. You can be confident that he's a mamzer. 
Yeah, there is a similar yeah. phrase in uh, English. I don't know, but Mumar Poisel, um, maybe there's a pot calling the kettle black, along those lines. But and he went to the butchery of Pumpadisa. So he said, Give me meat. Just wait until the assistant of Rav Yehuda by Yechezkel, that was Rosh Hashiva in, uh, in uh, Pumpadisa, the preeminent uh, Torah institution. Um, and he says, he says, wait for him, his assistant, to come, and then we'll serve you afterwards. So Oma Man Yehudabar Shvitzkel, the Kodib Li, the Shokel Mim Kamai says, who's this? Uh, he like makes a, a mean play on his name. Who's this Gre- Yehudabar Shvitzkel? Like a play on the word uh, greedy. <laughs> Who is this Yehudabar Shvitzkel who should get served before me? And says the Kodib Li, the Shokel Mim Kamai says. So they went and they told Rav Yehuda what's going on. They said, look, what's going on in your town? So Shamtei, he put him in Chayrem. Rav Yehuda put this guy in Chayrem. So And they said, not only that, you know, he very frequently calls other people slaves. So, you know, every time he gets into, there's an issue, he starts calling people slaves, left, right, and center. says, Okay, so declare, we make an announcement that he's a slave. Aye, we treat him like a slave. Um, okay, now, I don't know how, I have a feeling this is the sort of person that would be not appropriate. He's not possible, there's no Adim, etc. But there's enough, there's, there's grounds to say it's an event, so don't marry him. Don't marry his family or his daughter, who's very wealthy, you know, don't marry her. I, I, that's how I understood um, Hogun, Eino Hogun. It says, So yes, he made this declaration that he's a slave. I publicized that we're going to treat this uh, guy as a slave. So also, and so he went to complain to Rav Nachman, now this is back in our time, and he said to Rav Nachman, uh, let's summon him to court, who's, um, that this guy has made, gone around, he's, what's it, defamed me. He's made an announcement, put up posters that I'm a slave. So the Rav Nachman, so I see Pitzka Dazmona, they sent um, this uh, document, this uh, summons to court, what did a subpoena to Rav Yehuda? So also Rav Yehuda, the Kaimei, the Rav Huna. So Rav Yehuda wasn't sure whether he should go. As we'll see, he says, so he went to Rav Huna. Must I go or not? His question was, is generally a based in cannot summons a greater sage to them. Right. Like see, King Kong's... Uh, ever be summoned. Yeah. Um, so he says, should I go or not? So Amalei, Meizel, Laimi, Boilach, Meizel, Mishim, the Kaver, Rabbaat. He says, you're right, you really you don't have to go because you're greater. But out of respect for the, the house of the Nasi, you should go. Rav Nachman was uh, part of the base Nasi, the, 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 the Jewish leader, so therefore you should go. And now, I, I was just thinking, so what happens when, uh, I don't know, Chas V'Sholem in your community and you have a fight with the rabbi, the rabbi dents your car. How do you deal with it if you can't? If yeah, you can't. Um, I'm just, um, 
So where, uh, how do you get them, how do you take them to court? I think this whole thing is, this whole suga seems to be know your place, know where you are, know that you should marry, know that you should argue with. Interesting. I Interesting. I mean, the focus is around who's mutter and asur and some yeah, ramifications yeah. of it, but yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay, so, as, so so therefore, so Rabbi Yehuda went to Rabbi Nachman. So he says, also actually, and he saw Rabbi Nachman making a ma'akeh. That's the fence that you make around the roof. So Omar lay, don't you know the teaching of Rav Huna Baridi Omar Shmuel that once a person is appointed as a ruler, over, a leader over the community, they should not do manual labor in front of three people? Now, Omar Lay pulled to the Ganduria who the I'm just making a small, uh, fixing a small hole in the fence. Now, all these lines that Rabbi Yehuda is going to say to Rav Nachman is to just show that, put Rav Nachman in his place. I'm a greater scholar. Who do you think you are to summons me to your base din? So that's the first point he said. So as we can see already, he's like, what are you doing building a market? It's an interesting discussion I was thinking. So what, can a Talmud Chokham build their own sukkah? Can a Talmud Chokham, it's a mitzvah to build a fence around your swimming pool, to build a fence around your balcony or your roof, so you're allowed to build your own one. When is one thing you see, uh, or you're allowed to, I guess, change your own tire. I don't know if it's Rabbi Gipta or Rabbi One of the tells the Rosh Hashivas, one of the Chachim became very, one of the, became very big, you know, started learning and knew everything and became a big Tamil Chachim. So he's asked him, well, now that I'm such a big Tamil Chachim, is it right for me to take out the garbage? Have you heard the story? So he said, I agree with you, you shouldn't be taking out the garbage, at the, you know, you're such a big Tamil Chachim. Next day at 5 o'clock, I think it was Rabbi Gifta knocked on the door and said, I'm here to take the garbage out for you. <laughs> As if to say, you So that's, um, um, but I think maybe where it's for a mitzvah, or maybe the emphasis, maybe for a mitzvah, or maybe for, uh, so then for Shalom Bayes, you would be able to take well, up the garbage. I thought you were going to say, cannot his wife, his wife said, that the yeshiva, you're a yeshiva. No, no, I'm just saying, you know, it's, uh, the rabbi tells me about a big drosha. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean, I know a similar story someone went to, Gifta said, is it true that folding your, ta- leaving your talus, you know, a question on how you, are you allowed to and how you fold your talus on Shabbos. It says, is it true that it's a school of the Shalom Bayes if you leave your talus to fold after Shabbos? Yeah. So he said, uh, no, taking out the garbage is a school of Shalom Bayes. It's the same. It's a similar, I've heard a similar story. To, I've heard something like what you said. So he says, so that's also a similar. So, so, so maybe this would be doing, a, so maybe you can if it's for a mitzvah. No one's beyond doing mitzvahs. Oh, yeah, um, and then um, also maybe if a Tamil Chacham wants to build his own sukkah, he must try to do it in private, not in front of three people. I don't know. Um, I, I was just wondering about that when I was learning it last night. Says, so, so first he says, I'm making a gundarisa, a small fence. So now he starts He's giving him a hard time about the language he uses. Do you hate the word market that the Torah uses for offense? Or the word machitza that we find the sages, the Chazal use? So, um, so, so, so Rabbi Nachman again, not trying to get... Yeah. 
So, so, so like, why, uh, why do you have to come onto this new? Now, obviously, Rav Nachman's not a fool, so he tries to defuse and move on to the next thing. He says, Peter, why don't you have a seat on the bench? So, it's the says, like, why won't you use Safsal, the same language for bench that Chazal used? Or if you like want to be one like a regular person, use Itzdaba. Why using this word? Akrifita says the says Omerle Lachomar. He's still Rav Nachman keeping a calm. He says Omerle Mar Esru Esru Nuga Omerle Hachi Omer Shmu Kala Omer Esru Nuga Tilsa Baramus Rucha. Someone who uses the word Esrunga is like um, they're a third part arrogant. Says I Esrug could he could he Rabbanon, oi esroga, domrinchi, either call it an esroga like we find Chazal use, or call it an esroga like most people use. I, I, I think it's, uh, I, I don't know exactly, but I was thinking maybe he's using very, uh, what's it, posh, convoluted, you know, you know try, try and say uh, things that are totally, what's it, uh, what's the word, uh, pompous, not pompous, but that's a, a uh, Fancy way it says Omalei Lishti Mar Anagba says Will you have Anagba to drink? So Omalei Misoni Ispargus Diukurabon and Anfek Omrinchi says Game. Why do you have? What's wrong with the word Ispargus that Chazal use? Or, the, or unpack the word that everyone uses? Why do you have to use the fa- this other word of Anbaga for your drinks? So Omalei Tasi Dunag Tish. Tishkina. And he says, you know what, my daughter Dunag will bring you something to drink. So, you should never use, literally, you should not use a woman, but it's saying you shouldn't have a woman serve men. So, so he says, she's a little girl, it doesn't matter. No, Shmuel said explicitly, you shouldn't rely on, you shouldn't um, let a woman serve men, whether she's young or old. Um, We'll see the next few are interesting because they all to do with uh, familiarity and closeness to a woman. It says, Do you want to send greeting to Yalta? Rav Nachman's wife was Yalta. So, The voice of a woman is Erva. Is is, you're not allowed to hear the voice of a woman. Now, very interesting. When do we say, When do we say you're not allowed to listen to a woman? Singing. Singing. So firstly, here he's saying, send the, so here his concern is that he'll send, and Rashi says, yeah, that he'll send the greeting, and then he'll hear her response. So I think the, uh, the key point here is not, uh, is not the singing or that, it's the acts that bring closeness, acts of familiarity, of of unnecessary friendship. It says, it's okay, so send a messenger. You don't have to go greet her yourself. Send someone else. And then, again, if you send someone else to a woman, say, uh, send, send my regards, that she's not going to, her response isn't going to elicit any closeness because she's not even speaking to the person who's sending their regards. Shmuel says, you should not uh, inquire how a woman is. What about through a husband? There's nothing wrong there. So, you should never um, inquire after a woman. Um, so, this conversation was going south. 
everything Rav Nachman said, Rav Yehuda showed him what a fool he was. I mean, interesting, these last year, I mean, we don't, I mean, the, the Oracle Shulchan discusses this. Obviously, you shouldn't be overtly friendly and send, uh, it's, it sounds wrong in our language, but send greetings of friendship to a woman. But obviously, and this, I mean, even Oracle Shulchan, they mention, you obviously have to be polite. It would never cross their mind. You with you walking and you see a woman, or you with a woman, or you act that you, you greet them politely and you speak politely. You don't. It's it's more um, the sort of conversation or the sort of greetings that would be uh, foster unnecessarily closeness. Um, and I know we like to all think we're immune from uh, from uh, mishaps, but they happen the, when. Uh, yeah, when they get too close. The uh anything. Yeah. I mean we would never say it's a kind of thing, how's your wife doing and stuff, that's fine. But uh maybe to phrase it slightly differently, send your wife my love <laughs> that's uh, inappropriate. Okay, so Shokhalaj Visayu. Now Yalta had obviously overheard some of this conversation, so she sent to him Shori Shari says, deal with him, send him on his way so that he doesn't make you seem like any other ignoramus. So, Omar lay my shatya de maracha. So, Rav Rachman said, Rav, you're okay, so why are you here? What's up? He says, Omar lay taska de hasmanusa shadar mara basra. He says, I have a summons by you. You sent, you, you summons me to your base then. That's why I'm here. So, Omar lay hashta shusa de mar, loy gemirna taska de hasmona mishadrina de mar. He says, I'm not even able to speak as well as you. I get my language all messed up. You think I would dare summons you? I remember says, I know that Allah. I'm not going to summon a greater sage to court before me. So Afik Diskid has to me may Khadja Bhazilay Omarlay Hokavrava Hodaska. So Rav um Rav Yehuda pulled out the summons and he showed it to him. He says, Okay, well, just the man and the summons. I can't deny that I did summon you. So Omarlay but he says, So now really Rav Rav says, I'm aware I should not have. But and Mar says, okay, but you should, once you're here, you should tell me the case so that people don't say that rabbis show favoritism. Everyone's always getting, if I want to take the rabbi to Beisden, they're obviously going to favor the rabbi. So he said, Rav Nachman says, look, once you're here, let's, let's have the court case because I don't want to, uh, people to say that rabbis favor each other. So why did you put that guy in Khairim? So he said, and he harassed the, the assistance of the, the sages. He says, why did you just... Um, give him lashes. That's how Rav says you deal with such a person. Says the Adif delay. No, I gave him a more severe punishment. I'm not sure. I'm not, uh, to me, that doesn't sound reasonable. He's like, no, don't worry. I gave him a more severe punishment. Um, but okay, he says my timer Why did you declare, make a public announcement that he's a slave? So Amalei, why did you defame him? So Amalei, the rogue the Korinchi, Avdi, the two kolapoisel. Apostle, he says that the line that we learned in the previous Gemara, that anyone who often, who out of habit, calls people a Evid, 
Sorry, he had the habit of calling people a nebbe. And any and further, we know that anyone who calls other people invalid, he himself is invalid, and he doesn't never speaks well about the other people. And Shmuel says, but Mumar Paisel, the same thing. Aimud, the same thing. So it's Aimud Amu Shmuel the Meichus Leilach Ruzi Olam Miyomer. Okay, but maybe Shmuel saying you should be careful. So a guy constantly, every time he gets in a little bit of a debate with somebody, he starts calling them a slave. So you can't go and make it. You, you should be concerned. Maybe you shouldn't be careful who marries him. Is he a slave or not? But you can't make a public declaration that he's a slave. So, and and in the interim, now the other guy jumps in. He says, You're calling me an Ebed. And I come from the royal family of the Chashmonai. Uh, he says, uh, he's, he's interjecting, but this is quite, as we'll see, it's quite uh, ironic that he interjects with this. He says, Trapiud, he says, and who do you think you ought to call me an Eved? I'm from the family of the Chashmonaim. We know the Chashmonaim were the kings, the, the, and the Kohanim. So, Omalei, Hari Omar Shmuel, called the Omar, Mibet Chashmonaim, Kasina Abduhu, whoever says they're from the family of the Chashmonaim or Avodim. We'll see the story further down the page. I'm not going to say now how we know that, but yeah, anyone who says they're from the family of the Chashmonaim are slaves. So, Omalei, Lois, Ovel, Omar, Lohod, Omar, Biaba, Omar, Huna, Omar, Rav, Kol, Tamad, Chochom, Shemor, Halacha, Uvo, Im, Koide, Masa, Omar, Shom, any Tamad, Chochom, who says an Halacha, and then comes with his source and his proof, if the incident happened for, um, sorry, if he said the halacha before the action, the event, we listen to him. If not, we don't listen to him. I, what we're saying here is, oh, that's well played, Rav Yehuda. A guy comes along and says that they've got proof that they're from the Chashmonaim, not on Ebed. And all of a sudden you say, oh, I have a source that anyone who says they're from the Chashmonaim, they're thinking it's, it's too convenient. It says, but if, let's say, Rav Yehuda would have taught the Halacha, anyone who says they're from the family of the Hashmonamar and Evid, and only later on an incident happens, well then obviously we can take that halacha as true. But that we're saying is saying, Rav Nachman saying, I can't take your, uh, I can't take your argument, um, I, can't, I can't accept your argument because the incident happens and then all of a sudden you have a teaching to support you. So Omar Lehoi Karamasna, he says, no, Rav Masna was there. Rav Masna was there when Shmuel told us this halacha that anyone who says that they're from the family of the Chashmonaim, the Evidwai, the Koykavai see that what I'm saying is true. Rav Masna had not set foot in Nahardai for 13 years. He happened to come to Nahardai on that day. Do you remember, he said, do you remember what Shmuel told us? When he was standing with one foot on the ferry and one foot on the dock, he was just getting onto his boat when he told us this. He says, Yeah, I remember what Shmuel said. Called the Omer Midbeis Chashmonai Malka. Ka'asina, anyone who says they're from the royal family of the Chashmonai, Avdahu, they are all avoiding, they're all slaves. So Rav Masna verified that this is the true tradition. And therefore, it was okay for Rav Yehuda to bring it in support of his opinion, of his uh, position. He says, now, why? Why do we treat them all as slaves? There was only one maiden, one Herod, 
went and killed, he was a slave in the house of the Chashmonaim, and he went and he killed all the Chashmonaim to take control of them, except one young girl, and she, and she shouted from the roof, anyone who says I'm from the slaves of the Chashmonaim, anyone who says I'm from the Chashmonaim is a slave, and she threw herself from the roof and she died. So they made, Rabbi Nachman went and said, okay, this guy is a slave. And just before we go further, that's a very, it's quite a tragic story, the end of the Hashmonayim. What happened there? But yeah, it wasn't, uh, Herod wasn't an art guy. And, he, and the stories in Baba, I think it's all in Baba Lashra. It's a very, very hectic guy. I mean, he was a phenomenal, he, he achieved some phenomenal buildings. <laughs> the Masada, was it Masada was built by Herod? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Masada and other, quite a few major, major buildings around. Very uh, a high achiever, but not an, not an ask. And he, but basically, he was the last. There's, uh, yeah, there's, so he actually wanted to marry her. That's why she was the only one left, since they even kept her body preserved. You know, to have her with him, but uh, yeah. That day they ended up tearing up many ksubas in Nardai. I based on the, the the light of this information that's come out with the story with this guy, they ended up uh, cancelling many ksubas. Um, obviously, the marriage couldn't be cancelled, but uh, they could divorce. Oh, I married you, assuming you were a good of good lineage. Without your osir to me, we have to get divorced. But he doesn't have to pay ksuba. Kikonovic. When Rav Yehuda was leaving Nahardai, a whole lot of people went after him with intent to stone him. He'd ruined a whole lot of marriages, he had defamed a whole lot of families. So, if you're silent and leave me alone, good. If not, I'm going to reveal regarding what Shmuel says. There are two main families in Nadai. The ones called Bayona and ones called Urvasi. And the Tome one is Tome and the Tahor one is Tahor. A raven is a Tome bird and a Yona is a kosher bird. And that's what he's saying. He's saying there's two families here. And if you're not careful, I'm going to start telling you which family you're from. And you're going to all end up in trouble, in trouble with your lineage, etc. Rigma so they threw all the stones that they were going to throw at him into the river instead of throwing them at him, and they ended up actually blocking the river. I think it was just emphasizing they were really out there to get him. Um, I remember it's, it's one of the hardest things to do um, as, a, as someone involved in a marriage, I mean, is to deal with this pairing. So you have a, two guy, two, a man and a woman coming to you to get married. And you've got to be careful because if they also to each other, you cannot have, okay, obviously assuming you have that influence, whatever, you have to kind of tell them, sorry, you can't get married. A coin comes with a grusha and says, I want to get married or a, you know, or a mamzer and a thing. But what about all these things that you're not sure about? And how, I remember my grandfather saying one of Shirim, you have to know the right questions to ask and not too many questions because you're not allowed to go and uncover you're not allowed to just go and uncover what's it, skeletons in the closet and bring that out. There's, I mean, we'll see through this peric. There are times when you ask, times when you don't. Certain issues that you try to bring up, and sometimes you, you actually leave it if you don't know, or you. Sometimes you almost say you don't want to know. 
So it's, 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 it's halachically problematic to ask too many questions, and it's halachically problematic to, to not ask. So it's a very, very touchy uh, thing, this, but that's, uh, we see here, Rabbi Yehuda's saying, this guy, we have, have good grounds to declare him an Evan and not think. The rest of Narada, I'm not going to get involved with. I do know information, and I can cause a whole lot of trouble. And if they ever start with me, I will, <laughs> but I'm not going to. Okay, Makhrish Rabbi Yehuda Bupumpadisa, other, um, we're just going to bring a few incidents of uh, obviously events that happened where they had to make announcements against certain families. Um, you've got to remember this often affects a family because if you're going to say that boy's a slave, well, what about his brothers? What about his father? What about his uncles? Sometimes it, you know, and then sometimes I know of a family they're having a major problem because sometimes what does happen, I mean, I'm sure it will come up more, more in the parak. But what does happen is you'll have, let's say, a kahin wants to marry a girl that they're not allowed to, a grush or something like that. So they'll, the basin will be, sorry, you can't. And they'll like push the basin to find a reason that they're a halal or something while they're allowed to. So no family that they, years ago, the one uncle went and wanted to marry someone who wasn't allowed as a kahin, and he got... Uh, the Bayes then managed to find a reason why he can't, and he, ch- he checked actually, and his brothers, that it won't affect the Kohanic status of the rest of the family, because they didn't have any. They wanted to be Kohanic. For him, again, that's the one thing. You, you accept upon yourself to be a halal and you can marry one. What about us? We want to be Kohanim. <laughs> so, so they, and, and, all, and more recently, that's come to light was they, they question, well, if he's a halal, uh, how can your sons get married? How can they have kohen written on their ksuba? And it's like a bit of a story. So, so that's so, so that you got to, so, so here he's making announcements uh, on certain families. So, Machri Rav Yehuda Bupumpati, so some say Benadai, Adab Yonasan Abdi, Yehuda Bapopi Mamzeira, Adab Yonasan, those guys are Avodim, Yehuda Bapopi and Mamzer, Boti Bartuvia, Baramus Rucha, Loishakil Gita, the Cherusa. Buti um, Bartuvia, in his arrogance, did not accept the get Chayrus. So he was a slave and he was never freed. Machri is Robert Mechuzah. Robert made the following announced declaration of Mechuzah. Balei, Danai, Talai, Malai, Zagai, Kulam Litsu. They're all Psudim. Omar Rabbi Yehuda, Guvai Givoni. The family called Guvai are actually Givonim. Those are um, the Nasinim. And Durnenisa Durai. Nisinai, and the people from the place of Durnanissa, it's made up of the word that dwellers are Nisins. So those are all people that regular Jews should not marry, cannot marry. Omar of Yehuda, hi, Beikuve de Pumpadisa, Kulam Ta'afdi. The place called Beikuve de Pumpadisa, they're all slaves. Omar of Yehuda, Omar Shmur, of Yehuda, Senem Shmur, Arba Mayas Avodim, Vomrilo Arba Alofim Avodim, Havulu Lefashkur ben Amor. There's, there were 400, some said there were even 4,000 slaves to Shachob and Amar, who was a Kohen, and they all got mixed up, sunk in with the Kohuna. And any Kohen you find that is very brazen is born from them. They all dwell in that place, Shurid and Nardai. Rabbi Lezer says, if you ever see a Kohen who's acting too brazen or too, uh, don't uh, suspect his lineage, because we know the Pasuk says, your nation is like argumentative Kohanim. Kohanim are, are brazen in their nature. 
So therefore, just because you see all these people being brazen, don't suspect their lineage. It's interesting, we see that the, the Gomorrah clearly connects um, midos of brazenness, rudeness, uh, like vulgarness, with psul lineage, which I mean, if you think on a spiritual level, it kind of makes sense. Okay, they're born from a union that was forbidden, uh, incest, they born, you know, it makes sense that the. But uh, physics, in the more natural world, is very hard to imagine. Why should a child born from a forbidden union, from an affair, be any worse behaved than a child born from a a permitted um, marriage? Okay. Rabbi Avin Bar Rav Ada said in the name of Rav, anyone who marries a woman is not fitting for him. When Hashem reached his Shechina in the future, when Israel made a kol hashvatim, made olav, he will testify regarding him. Um, and he won't testify. He'll testify regarding all the tribes who's from the trials, but he won't testify about this person. When will Hashem testify that people are B'nai Israel? When, the, when they are the tribes of Hashem. When they're not the tribes of Hashem, I they from forbidden unions, then he won't testify. Not sure exactly what that's telling us. Um, when Hashem rests his Shechina on B'nai Israel, he will only rest it on the Families with good yichus. Shenemar says, "Ba'isayinu, Hashem eyelalo him lechol mishpachos Yisrael." I'll be a god for all the families of Yisrael. Lechol Yisrael lo neemar ella lechol mishpachos. Excuse me, lechol mishpachos. Only those who qualify as a good family, a good lineage. Vahemu yule la'am, and they will be a people to me. Amar rabba barav huna zumali asera yesh ben Yisrael legeirim. This is an added level that Yisrael have over Gairim. Because by Yisrael it's written, They will be a God. I will be a God to them, and they will be a people to me. Sorry, I will be a God to them, and they will be a people to me. By converts it's written, Those who have... Uh, Pledged and made them, brought their hearts close to me. They will be a people to me. And I will be a God to them. I, by the Jews, it says, Hashem says, I'll be their God, even if they're not acting as my people. Whereas by converts, they first have to act like Hashem's people, and then He'll be their God. So that's a mala closeness that Hashem has to them. Rabbi, very controversial statement. Rabbi Chabo says that converts are like Soras to Bnei Israel. Shneimar says the Nilba Hager Aleichem and Iskul Beis Yaakov. Ger converts will attach themselves, will accompany you, and they will Nisfuchu. There we would translate it as attach themselves or cleave to the family of Yaakov. Ksiv Hacha, but it's also that, that's what is written here. But Ksiv Hasom it's written elsewhere. But Loseis Velosapachas as different types of Tsaras. So the Drosha is there's a connection between Tsaras and converts. I, now, how do we understand that? Tosos, Rashi here brings a one shot. Let's look at uh, Rashi. 
Shainim Zahirim B'mitzvahs. That's right at the end. They're not so careful with mitzvahs. Merigilim Eslam, Nimshachim Eslam, Vilonim Min Masayim. And similarly, the Jews hang out with them and they learn from their acts. They have some of their minhagim and their traditions. They carry on. And Jews learn from that. So that's why Rashi says they hard um, things. Tosos bring, um, they brought one chat to do with Kulishral Arabim. I didn't understand that. Um, um, another chat that Tosos give is Bnei Israel are warned 24 times about how careful they have to be with treating Gerim. Which means that if you cause the slight bit of upset or stress or difficulty to Gerim, you bring a lot of trouble to yourself. So almost passively by being a Ger and Bnei Israel are warned to 24 times with how careful they have to treat a gear, it brings uh, trouble to the Jews. Um, another chatty brings, which again Tosfos reject this, but just it's interesting, he says, because there's a midrash that while B'nai Israel scattered throughout the whole world in Golas, to gather in all the converts. So he said, okay, so our Golas is lengthened and expanded because of converts. Um, again, not uh, anything active, but uh, passive. And then uh, Tosso's quote, uh, this I find interesting, if you look on Ayn, it's all over the page, it's Baharav uh, Rabbeinu Avram Ger, the, ra- the sage, Harav Rabbeinu, Avram the convert. So he has a different, what's his explanation? He says, Perish Lefisha, Hagerim Bekim Bemitzvahs, because Gerim are very careful with mitzvahs, Umedaktim Bohem, and they're very precise with them. Again, we see this, uh, similar with Baal Chubas, but Gerim, they they learn carefully, they get a good foundation, and they're very careful at practicing mitzvahs. So he says, Kashim Hamli Shrok, Kasapachas, Dimitoi Kena, Kodesh Bolzo, Matzbot, Mazkirafonos of Shishrok. This reminds Hashem of the sins of B'nai Shrok, Kashain, Oitzin, Retonim, and they don't behave. Hashem now looks at it and says, Look how they're behaving, why are you not like that? And that brings punishment on B'nai Shrok. He brings, Tosos bring as a support for this um, shat is with the Isha Tsunamis, Elisha um, wanted to daven for her. And, or her son down, and she says, you're a man of God. Up until now, I was, a, I was seen as a good, fine woman. And my, everything was fine. Now that you, Elisha, the saintly Novi, is hanging around us, I'm seen like a rubbish, and all this calamity comes to me. So that's the same thing when uh, there are good people around, and you're bad. It highlights why you not like them, and that's the punishment. And then one more chuck that tells us... Um, Yeah, okay, let's leave let's uh, leave it with those explanations and we'll uh, continue with this with uh, Shur tomorrow. What was a long shoot?